Acts chapter 20, verse 32. This series is entitled, The Word of His Grace. The Word of His Grace. Now, I must mention how I've seen this message change lives. It's the only thing I've seen with power to change lives. Education can give someone a paper. But sometimes you can just educate a person and they still remain the same. I am fully convinced that the gospel is a solution to the world's problems. So I want you to learn this sermon and what I'll be teaching. I want it first to transform you. And afterwards, I also want you to learn how to teach it. Do you know what I mean? What I mean is this is a solution to the world's crisis. This is, this is, it's this message which has made people from different places come to hear me. This, 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 this is it. Now, the Apostle Paul was at the end of his ministry. And well at the end of his ministry, here on earth, He's saying bye to these people, and he was never going to see them again. And he gives them probably the secret to his life. And he tells them, saying, so now, brethren, I commend you to God. I'm referring you to God. I'm recommending God. I'm, I'm submitting an offer here, and I'm commending you to God and to the word of his grace. It's interesting that he was specific even which word he was commending them to. He says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. And he explains what it's able to do. It's able to build you up. We'll go to all those things. Someone may be saying, um, I, I, my spiritual life is so down. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. It's able to build you up. Someone may be saying, I don't know what to do. I keep living a life of sin. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. It's able to build you up. I don't know how to know between a true and a false prophet. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. It builds you up. And then look at what else it does. It gives you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's too much of you hearing stories about what God did for that one and did for that one. Celebrate with them. But there's a portion for you. And that's what the word of God does. It gives you your inheritance among those that are sanctified. Where you are named among the ones God healed. You are named among the ones God delivered. You are named among the ones God prospered. And so understanding of this message is very key. It's cardinal. This is not a message for the year. It's a message for your life. <laughs> I commend you to God. Okay. Now. You cannot have a proper understanding of the word of his grace if you do not have an understanding of the law. And from the time I became a pastor, there are a few things that I noted that have really shaped the way I preach. Number one, I noted that what I think people don't know, they don't always know. Sometimes you can be standing here, oh yes, you see the grace of God, if you ask someone, ah, grace, Nichani. 
they have no idea. And usually it's because no one has ever explained it to them. We just assume they all know. But the Bible says Jesus taught them many things. So I don't want any of you to be confused. You can't effectively understand the word of his grace if you do not understand something about the law. So I'm going to give you a bit of history there. Okay. Praise the Lord. Please ensure that if more uh, people come in, uh, leaders, department members and such will find other means. That's all. So make sure they are on standby. Okay. Praise the Lord. Yeah, well trained. So you cannot understand the word of his grace if you don't have an idea about the law. And I'm going to show you something about the law, except instead of starting from the book of Exodus, I'll start with the book of Esther. Esther, chapter number three. Esther, chapter number three. And we're going to read from... Let's get a bit of a background story. How many of you have read on... How many of you have read the book of Esther before? Lift your hands. I'm only seeing ladies. How many of you have read the book of Esther before? <laughs> Gentlemen, you don't like the book of Esther? Now, contrary to belief, the book of Esther is not about makeup. And of course we know that Esther was a queen who used to slay. But nevertheless, the book of Esther is beyond that. And when we read the book of Esther, we'll be able to understand a few things about the way the law and grace worked. So let me give you a bit of a background. There was a king who had a wife and that wife treated him disrespectfully. So he decided he was going to marry somebody else. And he called for a beauty pageant. There was like a Miss World or a Miss Universe or something like that. And so Esther was under the stewardship of her uncle called Mordecai. And so Esther competed in this beauty pageant. And she won. And the reason she won, apart from the fact that God had selected her and favored her, is that in this period where she wanted the king to choose her, she perfected herself. She was looking good. Okay. So this as you come to church, look good. Praise the Lord. You never know after the youth meeting. And that's the middle. Who might just come say hi and find you unprepared? Like the king didn't look at the heart. <laughs> the king looked on the outside. Yeah. Now let's just be honest with these things. And so now, after the king had chosen Esther, there was a there was a man named Hanan, and this man did not like the Jews. By the way, the Jews were in a land which was not theirs. They were in captivity. So this man did not like the Jews. And so he convinced the king to come up with a letter. And this first letter that was written had a certain reaction from the people. So we're going to look at the letter. Esther 3 verse 13. I really want you to follow this part. 
If you follow the early parts, the rest of the series will go well. So Esther 3 verse 13, look at this. The letters were sent by the couriers into all the king's provinces. Now look at this. To destroy, to kill, to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions. There was a letter written, and this letter was not... It was written by a good king, so to say, but the letter in itself meant trouble for the Jews. And I want you to see the way they received this letter. Esther chapter 4, verse 3. Look at this. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. There was something about the content of this letter. The content of this letter was not to their benefit. And because it wasn't to their benefit, there was a lot of mourning, there was crying, and that was a day of weeping. Keep that in mind. I've, I've taught you about shadows and types, right? Keep that in mind. Then, the Jews felt powerless because they, they didn't have the right, being Jews, to go before the king. They couldn't go represent themselves before the king. And so they were powerless to the letter. They were powerless to the command. And it's not the king who was killing them, but people were taking advantage of that letter and wanted to kill them. So when the Jews were powerless, they needed a mediator. They needed someone who was both a Jew and royalty. And there was only one person who was both a Jew and royalty. And you can tell. Give me, uh, I want you to see this. Esther chapter 4 verse 16. So they needed someone who was both a Jew and royalty. And so Mordecai speaks to Esther and says, look, you're going to have to do something. And Esther is like, um, I, you want me to go before the king? And then Mordecai told Esther something that she, he says, look, there is a reason God put you in that position. And if you do not help the Jews, God will raise help from somewhere else. The day you hear that, you will not take any assignment God gives you lightly. Now look at this. Esther tells him, go gather the Jews who are present in Shoshan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for how many days? Three days night or day. So before seeing the king, there had to be a three-day fast. Three days, three nights. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Esther here is saying, look, I'm going to prepare myself for three days and three nights. After I prepare myself for three days and three nights, I'll go before the king. Now, interestingly, she was going to go before the king not just as a Jew. Look at Esther 5 verse 1. Oh, when you start seeing Jesus in every scripture, the Bible becomes interesting. Esther 5 verse 1, look at this. It happened that on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes. So she was not just a Jew, she was royalty. So she was both a Jew and a royal person. Doesn't that remind you of someone who had to be both man and God? So he was the only one who could represent us effectively before God. 
if representing us both <laughs> someone say glory and so she put on her royal robe, stood in the inner court of the king's palace, the inner court, the very inner court, across from the king's house where the king sat on his royal throne, in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. And so Esther negotiated for the Jews. And the king said, look, I can't remove the first letter, but I'll write a second one. I'll write a new one. And so a second letter was read. And I want us to see Esther 8, verse 11. By the way, this will also teach you how to deal with Satan. And I'll show you this. Esther 8, verse 11. The book of Esther is one of my favorite books. You can learn on the name of Jesus. You can learn on the seal of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's glorious. And now, in the second letter, which is after Esther had to spend three days and three nights in fasting, reminds you of someone who had to spend three days and three nights to prepare to meet God. And then, she represents the Jews well being royalty. And the king writes new letters. And look what it says. By these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives. The first letter, they were powerless. The second letter empowered them. The second letter built them up. Look at what else it did to destroy, to kill, to annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them. By the way, that's when you learn that grace should not be dormant. You must use it. They were given, they were empowered now to protect themselves. Oh, the devil is going to play around with you if you don't learn how to use grace. And it says, both little children and women and to plunder their possessions. Somehow, the second letter had something to do with them being empowered, and it had something to do with possessions. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. And I want you to see how the second letter was received. Verse 17. And in every province and city, Wherever the king's command and decree came, how sad for those who never heard the command. How sad for those who never heard the decree. Can you imagine there are people who are being taken advantage of because they just didn't know. Oh, God's people perish for lack of knowledge. That's why we are taking this decree everywhere. You'll see next week, because next week we're focusing on us as messengers. You'll see it. You'll see how we are the couriers who take out that message. Now look, it goes on to say, and in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy. Listen, if it doesn't bring joy, it's not the gospel. <laughs> There's something about the gospel. There's something about the gospel. And it says, the Jews had joy and gladness and a bride and a holiday. Oh, a feast. Glory to God. <laughs> And then many of the people of the land became Jews. You know, I only saw that when I read it recently. Because, of the, because the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Can you imagine? People became Jews. I, I don't know. I, I, I thought you were supposed to be a Jew by birth. They said, ah, this, this grace, we must partake. Are you now seeing the secret to church growth? Are you seeing the secret to the kingdom growing? Many people say, we want to be like them. Like, like what's going on? You were, you were weeping all these days. From the time I met you, you've never been happy. What has happened to you? My friend, there's a message I heard. 
There's a message I heard that empowered me. There's a message I heard that qualified me. No wonder Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So before I get ahead of myself, let's look a bit at the law. Uh, I get excited when preparing for a series. I get really excited. I think for this one, for today's sermon, I think I read for myself about 200 scriptures. I was, I was that excited. But let's go. So I'll give you a bit of a background. Eh? And as I'm giving you the background, I want you to connect the law and grace to what I've just read about, the two letters in Esther. Because everything in the Bible is connected. So as you're reading the book of, Best of Esther, while well, you're being inspired to dress well, I hope you're also being inspired about the law and grace. Praise God. Now, God created man. We see that from the book of Genesis. And we notice that in the book of Genesis, God only gave man one law. How many of you remember? It was just one. Don't eat of the tree. There's that tree which which had wrapped up the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't an apple tree. It was a tree which had wrapped up the knowledge of good and evil. There are some things that God did not want man to know. And I must mention something because of some of the periods we are in. I would advise you, uh, the time when I started getting serious with the Lord, there are some people at my school who I thought these are really the spiritual ones. And so I wanted to be like them. So whenever I was with them, they were always talking about Satanists and the workout and the 15 symbols of this. And so I started studying that stuff. Like, no, church is very nice. You know, you have to be, ah, my God. I would spend, I thought being spiritual meant being in the dark at 23, not afraid, listening to a former Satanist tell their testimony. Oh, Lord. The prayers out of fear which I made. And, and you know, I noticed that even the attacks I used to get then were more. You find you're praying, you feel something has touched you. Hey! <laughs> Sometimes it's the messages you keep hearing because every message has a spirit. And remember in spiritual warfare we are told that above all, taking up the shield of faith. And, what is, and how does faith come? It comes by hearing. And hearing what? By the word of God. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I want you to hear this and hear this well. When it comes to matters of spiritual warfare, the safest you can be is biblical. That's the safest you can be. The kingdom of Satan doesn't respond because you've downloaded a, a big word from the internet. They don't even know English. It responds to the word of God. So, don't get obsessed with satanic knowledge. Are there things you're supposed to know about the devil? Yes. The Bible says we're not ignorant about his devices. We must know how he works. We must be able to identify Satan. There are times you, there's, there's what the Bible calls in Hebrews 5, there's a discernment the Bible says by reason of use. Where you become skillful, you can just tell this is God. This is not God. It's discernment that comes by maturity. But don't get obsessed with the knowledge of Satan. Because even if somebody was in Satanism, they need to be taught afresh from Sunday school because their teacher was a liar. Their teacher was a liar. I'm telling you, there are people who can make you think as Christians you can do nothing. And then you, you become powerless because you believe their words. Praise God. 
So don't get obsessed with satanic knowledge. And I also want you to think about this. There's a sermon I'll do on this. But have you realized that of the trees spoken about, as numerous as they were, there are two trees which were named. One was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The other one was the tree of life. Which one do you eat from? Which one have you chosen to eat from? <laughs> You've got a choice. And so, we all know the story. They ate of that tree and it contaminated them. And they had the sinful nature. And the Bible tells us death reigned from Adam to Moses. So all the way through, you begin to see the works of death beginning to manifest. Death suddenly starts killing their bodies with sickness. Death suddenly starts doing ABC. And that's why death has to be punished. And so you begin to see the works of death. But then God decides to meet a certain man named Abraham. And he tells him, separate from your people. And when God speaks to Abraham, the law that he gives him is follow me. And by faith, it was credited to him about, it was credited to him about uh, that as righteousness, right? And so a promise was given that through Abraham and his the worlds will be saved. Through his seed, everyone will be saved. So God was not just thinking of one man, he was thinking about the whole world. And we later see that Abraham's people became slaves in Egypt. And when they were slaves in Egypt, God raised a man named Moses and sent him there. And when Moses went to Egypt, he rescued the Jews. And from there they went and they were in the wilderness for about 40 years. And in this period, God gave them the law. God gave them the first covenant. Now, this law that he gave them was holy. Absolutely holy. Jesus spoke about it. Paul spoke about it. Absolutely holy. And the way a covenant works is that there are conditions. If the covenant is to work for you, there are certain conditions you have to fulfill. So they had to fulfill the conditions of the law. And if they fulfilled the conditions of the law, they would be righteous. So if you are to be declared a righteous person today, then you should have made sure that uh, you did not have any other God before him. You should have made sure you did not commit adultery. You should have made sure... Uh, what are the rest? I've mentioned two. <laughs> because remember, he's a jealous God. Make sure you observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. So many things that you had to do. And those were the big ten. But besides the big ten, if you had to read all of them, the entire... Uh, Pentateuch, you'll notice there were about 600. So many things that you had to do. Even though observing the Sabbath, there was a way to observe it. There was what you were supposed to eat, and there is a way you were supposed to eat. Now, why am I talking like this? Have you ever noticed the way Jesus used to talk in the Bible? When he was addressing prostitutes and when he was addressing uh, Pharisees, have you noticed that his language was different? When he addressed prostitutes, have you noticed he never mentioned certain things? You know why? They knew they were guilty. But when he was talking to the Pharisees who thought they were justified by the law, he tells them, oh, so you think you're justified because you've not committed adultery, eh? Okay, even if you looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed it in your heart. And I'm like, ah, now. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can tell me any law. We can find a way that somehow, somehow a person has broken it. Praise God. 
And so the condition was this. If you manage to fulfill the law, if you manage to fulfill it, that's it. You're saved. You're righteous. You're holy. And I find it interesting that the day the law was read, there was weeping and there was mourning. Do you know how I know? Give me Exodus 32 verse 28. I want you to see something. Moses came back and he found these guys that made a cow and were worshipping it. And the Bible says, so all the people broke off. Is that, is that the, the verse I asked for? Give me verse 28. Moses found these people doing this stuff and he said, kill. And this is what the Bible says. The sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Can you imagine how much weeping and mourning and wailing was there that day? So, the law in itself, I want you to hear this. The law is good. And if one got to fulfill it, they would be righteous. I also want you to remember that if you ever broke one law, you broke them all. Let's go on. Now, here is where the trouble came. Although the law did not have a problem, man did. The law did not have a problem in itself, but man had a problem. What was this problem? Man inherited sin. Let me show you. Isaiah 64 verse 6. This is what the Bible tells us about that righteousness. But we are all like unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. How sad. How sad. If I must mention something else, this is why you must. You know, I, I, I'm okay with things like verse of the day and the like, but there's trouble if you wake up one morning for your verse of the day and this is the scripture you find. And you don't have an understanding of these things. You must know what is written for you and what's written to you. But I love such scriptures. They help us appreciate just what Jesus did for us. When it says our righteousness is like filthy rags, it's talking about filthy rags. And you can imagine, no matter how many people tried to observe the law, this was their final result. And clean. Righteousness like filthy rags. Can you imagine how many people have not read the second letter yet? I remember I was at the uni when, when our church was at the University of Zambia. How many of you remember those days? There's somebody who came and I received a call later. No, I think I received a message and the message said, Hi, I don't think I should even be talking to you because. I'm so dirty. You don't know how many things I've done. I'm very unclean. So maybe I shouldn't talk to you. And I shared the gospel. Then we're having a WIM conference. And as we're having the conference, at lunch, some people came to greet me. So I, I, I couldn't recognize most of them. So I was asking them, what's your name? And this person mentions their name. Uh, let's call their name. 
um, projector. And so I'm like, what's your name? I said, projector. I'm like, who? And he said, unclean. <laughs> I said, I think they've not, you know, they're like reminding me, I'm the one who's unclean. I'm like, oh my, I don't think they, I don't think the second letter reached them. I don't think the second letter reached them. Praise God, it now has. You see, if all a person has read is the first letter, they'll be worried, they'll be alarmed, they'll have fear about the day of judgment. And everything will be unusual. But if a person gets to read the second one, they'll be empowered. So this is the thing about the law. No human being became righteous by the law. And even if there was something called righteousness, it was as filthy rags. Turn to your neighbor and tell them what you've learned so far. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's continue. So I want us to just get an understanding that there is no one who got saved by being taught stop stealing. There is no one who got saved by being taught Stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. This is what happened instead. Paul explains it very well. I want you to see Romans chapter 7. You could be listening to me today. And perhaps you've not had the best of lives. It could be the thoughts in your mind. It could be the actions that you've done. It could be that whenever you hear a preacher describing anything sinful, you even know you can't in that category. And your favorite song is, No Chalo. You could be in that position. You could be there. You could be in a position where there are things you regret. There are things that you wish for no one to know. There are things that give you concerns when you think about Judgment Day. I want you to see this. I want you to see something that Paul explains about the law. I would encourage you to read the entire book of Romans, by the way. Paul explains it well. Let's start from verse... We'll come back to this one soon though because we'll see whether we are still under the law. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members. Members simply means body parts to bear the fruit to death. Let's go on. But now we have been delivered from the law. Having died to what we're held by, you'll see this later. Let's, let, let, let's just go on. What shall we say then? The people who ask, is, it, is ABC wrong? Is this wrong? Is this wrong? Are you, are you guys trying to say that the law is wrong? No. I want you to see this. Paul explains it. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would have not have known sin except through the law. And if you've observed, that's what the world is trying to promote now. The world is trying to promote an independence that's outside an aspect of laws. 
And when that happens, a person doesn't know they are wrong. It's important for a person to know sin. That's how they'll know they need a savior. You'll see it soon. I would have not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said you shall not covet. Let's go on. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment. You see, the same way those people of that land took opportunity by the letter the king had wrote. The king was not the one killing them, but there are people who took opportunity by that letter. So it says, sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. And it's interesting because Paul was a Pharisee. So that means everyone used to see this perfect law abide in Pharisee, but he knew himself. Next verse. I was alive once without the law, but the commandment came and sin revived and I died. Haven't you seen somebody from their childhood? Everything is okay, but then the moment they begin to reach that stage where they can make decisions for themselves, somehow they are just inclined to bad. And because a lot of people are not saved, you'll notice that even the music, the music is promoting bad as good. The movies are promoting bad as good. If you check the music, you check the movies, it's violence, it's drugs, it's sexual immorality, it's A, B, C, D. And so a person grows up, it's like you can meet a random, you can meet a hundred random 16-year-olds and they'll all tell you they do the same things and they all think they're unique. By the time they're 20, 21, they're experts. And I'll tell you something, some of you have an opportunity to hear this more younger. Take it from me. Worldliness can grow. It can grow. It's got levels. It starts with a person having innocent fun. I'm going from the same QP. And having just some innocent fun in the disco afterwards. It grows. It's hungry for more. It says this is too little. Before you know it, a person is sneaking out. That's why I get shocked when parents, I'll, I'll be very honest with you, you know, there are times we get, you know, some parents saying, hey, you guys, too many meetings, ABCD. I understand where they're coming from sometimes. But if they knew how those goody two-shoes children they had used to come out of the window without them knowing. And that at least now we have, you see, they've got energies. They need somewhere to be. <laughs> if they knew, if, if some parents knew how many people escaped the window without them knowing, how the person would sneak out and come back in, they don't know. If they knew, they would appreciate the work we're doing with them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You will receive a lot of thank yous in heaven. Let's go on. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. Look at this. Uh -huh. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. So the problem was not the law. The problem was sin. And the Lord did not empower, but sin took advantage of it and said, eh, hey, you know you are not supposed to fornicate. It's just something you're missing. Hey, baby, baby. You remember the way the devil came before Eve? And what did the devil say? Did God really say you're not supposed to do this? He just doesn't understand he's God. God really say, anytime you've got a thought of, is it really wrong? Is it really wrong to drink? Is it really wrong to this? Is it really wrong to this? There's usually a problem. The is it really wrong always have a problem. Somehow you don't ask yourself, is it really wrong to pray? Is it really wrong to fast? You don't ask yourself those. You 
is it really wrong? Is it really wrong? I know pastor in our relationship, how far can you go? How far can you go? That's the question you're asking. But the <laughs> is it really wrong? Is it really wrong? Is it, oh, you, usually the is it really wrong? Just no, that's not the voice of the spirit. That's not the way the spirit talks. You even know sin is taking advantage of the command. Uh-huh, let's go on. Therefore, the law which is holy and the commandment holy and just and good will read it. Uh-huh. Just keep going. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good. So that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Next. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, so under sin. Now I want you to know at this point he's describing a human being in their nature before salvation. You have to understand the poetic way in which Paul used to talk because in those days there was a lot of philosophy and rhetoric. So he's now using rhetoric. And he says, for what am I doing? And someone may be listening to me and you're in this place. Or you were in this place one day. And there's someone you need to take this message to. But look at this. He says, for what am I doing? I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But that which I hate, that's what I do. Do you know how many times I've spoken to someone and said, Pastor, I don't know why I do this. I know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. The next day I'll have a hangover, and then I'll have this headache. I would have used all my money. Somehow the next weekend I'll receive a call. Chinila, oi, chinila. You go back again. Like, if you are following things on social media, people were even predicting that they will finish their money in December. They predicted their suffering of January. They literally predicted. They knew, I'm going to do this, I'll end up like this, and then I'll borrow, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do that. And they know it's wrong. And sometimes they convince themselves by worldly wisdom. They'll tell themselves, anyways, I know this and this and this, but you know, if you don't sleep with him, he's going to leave you. Somehow forgetting the other five you slept with and they left you. And, and also that guy also slept with others and left them. Somehow people are doing what they don't want to do. They know they're not supposed to steal, but somehow when an opportunity comes, they are stealing. What's happening? If, no, go back to that verse. It's so passionate. Look at the passion in this. For what am I doing? I do and I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. There is no person I've met who doesn't have a desire for heaven, who doesn't have a desire to be right. There are many people doing crazy stuff. Most of them are just looking for affection. Some are just looking to be affirmed by someone. Some are just looking for approval. Sometimes it's approval from friends. They want to belong. They want to be part of a society. They want to be part of a people considered something. Others are just looking to fill a void in themselves. Usually people are looking for good things, but sometimes in bad ways. Others are trying to punish others for what someone else did to them. And he's saying that which I... And that's why you find many people hating themselves. Because they know what they're supposed to do, they're not doing. Imagine. Let's go on. Please play the keyboard. If then, the way you are playing it, I do what I will not to do. I agree with the law that it is good. Uh-huh. 
By the way, you know what the law is here we've described today? The different commands God has given, which if you fulfill, you become righteous. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Haven't you been surprised? Some of the people who look like were the best people in the world, suddenly when these Me Too campaigns came about, people who've done great and mighty things, you found, oh, that guy had actually molested 32 girls. This guy had actually done ABCD. This guy had done ABCD. When you study in the scriptures, you never count a person out. Everyone is a candidate for salvation. Let's go on. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Uh-huh. For now, for now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I would do it, but sin that grows in me. He repeats this. Next. I find a law that evil is present with me, and the one who wills to do good. Uh-huh. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Just keep going. But I see another law in my heart, in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. Where did it come from? Adam. Uh huh. And then he says, O wretched man that I am, who deliver me from this body of death? Wait there. He's describing, imagine a person has reached this place where if they are to describe their life by the laws God has given. There are many things that they can take off. Hmm, Baja, they are no. They are no. They are no. Have I kept that one? Not effectively. For some of us Gentiles, it's even worse. <laughs> it's even worse. Because us, we are automatically unclean. And so you can imagine. The guy reaches a place where he tells himself, Oh, wretched man that I am, who delivers me? Next verse. <laughs> uh-huh. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> There's someone who came on the scene, and you will understand this soon. So, you know, sometimes uh, you get people. You get people questioning and saying, uh, I, you, you know, sometimes I hear messages, and you know, sometimes I, I agree, I, I understand some things. But you know, sometimes it gets me thinking. Sometimes you hear somebody say, no, 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 no. You guys are not doing well. When we would preach many years ago, people would cry. And they'll be so sad after the preaching. And, every, and I'm wondering, is that every week? <laughs> There is good news. The good news is that you don't have to be that wretched man you are describing. There is another letter that was written. There is another letter that was written. And that letter, when you use it, notice you have to use it. it when you use it, you can fight your enemies. There is another letter that was written. That's why if you find a person and they are doing all sorts of wrong, and all you do is tell them, you did that. Even that. You, and, and you keep going and going and going. That usually doesn't help. The first thing I do is lead them to Christ and then teach them how to use the grace they have received to fight those things. Let's go on. So now, something you must know is this. The only way 
that a person can escape any law. Any law. Just in case one is wondering how still under the law. There's only one way to escape a law. You want to know that way? You have to die. If a person is told life imprisonment, the moment they die, you can't leave their body in the prison. They will be, they will be buried just like a free man because they are dead. The law doesn't apply to them. If someone is owing money, the moment they die, they, they can't, you can't go take the corpse to court. You will sue their family instead. If a person is under a law, the moment that person dies, that law doesn't apply to them anymore. It applies to those who are alive to it. We are going somewhere. So now, the trouble with fulfilling the law is that the only way to fulfill it is that a person had to be righteous both inwardly for them to express it outwardly. So Jesus comes on the scene. Now Jesus, because he was born of God, Jesus was not born with inherent sin like we were. He was born God, kept the law to the dot, fulfilled the law, and then he died. And then when he was dying, the Bible says he became sin. So in short, all those wretched things, all those filthy things you thought of, Jesus didn't just carry it. Biblically, he became it. And so at the cross, he became sin. And the word of God being as powerful as it is, which I will, will go more in details on how powerful the word of God is. The word of God being as powerful as it is, the life that Jesus gave out is wrapped up in that word. And when a person hears a message of faith like this one, and they say, Lord Jesus. The word Lord means master. The moment you come, and remember I taught on bond servants, right? The moment you come under a bond servant, under someone, you are their property. What they are, you are. That means the day you say Lord Jesus, what happens? When he died, you died. When he was raised, you were raised. When he died, you died. When he was raised, you were raised. So you ended up dying to the law because Jesus fulfilled it. And here is an interesting thing. Let me show you a scripture that really touched me. Romans 5 verse 7. There are many principles I can show you. How many of you know about the principle of surety? If you are trying to remove someone from police, another person must sign. And if the person goes missing, you get arrested on their behalf. Jesus is our surety. Jesus became our son. He said, no, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. They are, what you are supposed to do to them, do to me. I want you to know that the mercy we received did not come free. Mercy on us meant judgment on Jesus. As loving as God is, we were not going to go scotch free. Someone had to be punished on our behalf. Someone had to be punished because the law had to be fulfilled that the wages of sin is death. And look at what the Bible says. It says, someone may be thinking maybe, this scripture amazes me. It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. You know what he's trying to say? He's saying, people don't even die for a good person. But maybe perhaps for a good man, someone would dare to die. Look at the next verse. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
His death for us did not come when we changed one or two things. It came while we were still at the peak of sin. In, the, in, the, in that very heat of the moment, those same terrible things he died for us while we were still sinners. Amazing. I find it interesting that when Jesus met that woman, let me just say a few things about this. Understanding such things will take away self-righteousness. I remember when Jesus met that woman, the first thing he asked is, okay, uh, let you who has not seen cast the first one. I must mention though that it wasn't the woman who said that, okay? Don't use that as an excuse. That's pride. And one day a stone will fall from heaven. Right on the lukoma. So Jesus says, let you who has not seen cast the first one. Then when they all left one by one, Jesus remained there. That means only Jesus had the right to stone her. But he knew he was going to take the punishment for her. Now, I find it interesting that he did say, okay, go away for three months. I'll watch your behavior. And if your behavior is okay, then I won't stone you. No, the first thing he says is, I do not condemn you. He offered her grace first. Then he says, now go and sin no more. The first thing he offers is grace. The first thing he offers is, is, is forgiveness. Imagine a person is making an appeal for a loan. Before they can even bring anything, given. I love that it's yours. And it's free. I must mention that by the law, Somehow, somewhere, we all broke it. We all broke it. One that the Bible says, let no man judge you in feasts or in birthdays or in holy days. When you understand this, you, you, you'll be shocked. You know, how can a person think somebody else will go to hell because they celebrated their birthday or because they celebrated Christmas? What does that there are bigger things we had to deal with than that. There was never a law that shall not celebrate Christmas. That wasn't even part of the equation. You think God would give up what Jesus did because of a day? Oh, God took it. And so, Jesus was raised. Jesus died. And before dying, there's an interesting thing he said, which will uh, lead us to the conclusion of today as we're building up this series. He said something very interesting in Luke chapter 22 verse 20 how many of you remember let remember esther how many letters were there what happened when the first one came there was mourning and there was weeping and we see in the book of exodus when the law was read how many people died three thousand now let's look at this likewise he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Praise God, there was a second letter. There was a second covenant. There was a second message. And the trouble is, if all you know is the old one, you'll be in trouble because by the old one you'll weep. By the old one you'll mourn. But Jesus says, there's a new covenant in my blood. You want to know what that covenant is, eh? Hebrews chapter number 8, verse 8. Look at this. Look at this. I want you to see this. Eh? Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Next verse. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by their hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. 
because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. So he's saying, I'm making a new covenant which is not according to that one. They failed already. Next verse. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. By the way, when you read the book of Romans, you understand the Bible says spiritually we are Jews, right? And it says, this is the covenant that I will make with you. I want you to mention your name. This is the covenant that I will make with Okay, says the Lord. And look at what it says. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. What else does it say? None of them shall teach his neighbor, none his brother saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Imagine the entire house, the entire congregation, no one has to say, guys, let's worship. Let's all try to know God. Everyone. No, that's a topic no one will have to teach how to know God. Each one has access. Each one has freedom. From the least to the greatest. Next verse. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and iniquities, their sins and lawless deeds. Remember that unrighteousness we read about. That righteousness which is like filthy rags. Remember it, the one we read about? Guess what will happen? He'll be merciful to that unrighteousness. And then their sins and lawless deeds I'll remember no more. I don't understand. Why should you remember what God has forgotten? Oh, glory to God. There is what is called, on a, on a computer, there is a place where you delete and it goes to the recycle bin. But my friend, there is a place where you format the hard drive. And then there is a bigger place where you change the hard drive. Hallelujah. It's... <laughs> That hard drive first was formatted, thrown in the bin, and then a new hard drive is put. One that has never been used before. And then that hard drive is filled up with the word of his grace. Glory to God. Let's go on. In the, and, and in that, he says, a new covenant he has made, he has made the first obsolete. So meaning, I'm not judged by the first. Now what is now, what is coming, becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So now we'll end that part there. There's a new covenant that was written where he will remember our, our unrighteousness no more. He's merciful to the unrighteousness. And then sins and iniquities he remembers no more. I remember a case at uh, the university where we had our fellowship. And I'll never forget this story. And there's somebody who uh, we invited to come for fellowship and they came and said, ah, that person who's leading praise and worship, we used to drink with them. Then I should sit and hear them leading praise and I was like, oh my God. So what's the whole point of salvation? So you want us to do what? To say you, you will never be allowed to lead praise and worship because once upon a time you were in a club. Why should we partner with the devil in reminding people of what they did wrong? Why not partner with God in establishing them in the new covenant? My friend, have you read the second letter? Have you read the second one? The one where you can have self-control. The one that produces the fruit of the Spirit, which is righteousness, peace, joy, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, where you can decide to say no. The second letter which empowers. 
The one where you can make a decision that I have stopped. This alcohol, I've stopped. How? I've stopped. I've stopped. <laughs> have you read the second letter? The one that doesn't condemn you but empowers you. The one that builds your heart and gives you an inheritance among those that are sanctified. Have you read it? Do you know it? Do you know the word of his grace? The first time this letter was declared, I want you to see something. Take me the book of Acts. Don't worry, when it comes to righteousness, as we continue on the word of his grace, that's the part I'm going to touch. I, I, I wouldn't want to just mention it just as you'll see now how we've all become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Someone may ask, Apostle Fred, if someone got saved today, Acts 2 verse, maybe it was someone to read. Someone may ask, if Apostle Fred, if someone got saved today, are you and them on the same level of righteousness? That's even a lower question. You should be asking me, are they on the same level of righteousness as Jesus? Pastor, you're going too far. I'm not going too far. The Bible went too far. It says, you know what it says? Have you read the word of his grace? You know what it says? It says, God made he who had no sin to become sin. Listen, if he became as bad as we were so we can be as good as he is. And it says, that's 2 Corinthians 5.21. And it says, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ha! Praise God. Why do you think we can now pray, Father, in the name of Jesus? We can go before God in the being of Jesus. Why do you think we can now call him Father? They never even used to say the name Jehovah in the Old Testament. They were afraid of saying that name. It's because we've got right standing with him. And you also understand how righteousness is in nature. The Bible says a bad tree produces bad fruit, a good tree produces good fruit. So if God saw that the fruits were bad, he decided to change the tree. Praise God. And Jesus, for this cause, is not ashamed to call us brethren. Peter said to him, repent and let every one of you be baptized. This is after he preached the word of his grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Next verse. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Look at the next verse. Before you read it, go back, go back, go back. What happened in the book of Exodus the day the letter was read? What happened? 3,000 died. Next verse. Uh -huh. Read it for yourselves. Hallelujah! <laughs> in the book of Esther, when the first letter was read, what happened? There was weeping. When the second one was read, what happened? There was feasting. Can you imagine the party that was in heaven? And my friend, there was one person gets saved, party. Another one gets saved, after party. Another one, as if there was party after party. <laughs> oh, glory, glory, glory. <laughs> The Bible says there is joy in the midst of the angels when one repents. Now, 3,000 repented that day. Oh! <laughs> Brethren, we are the fruit of this new covenant. And this one is very interesting because the conditions Jesus fulfilled. 
where we were disqualified, Jesus became Jesus Christ of Nazareth became our substitute. Someone will ask them, how will, with regards to our salvation, how will we be judged? Is God going to go back to when you were five? Restore sugar when you are seven. You got meat from the pot. When you are ten, you store a pencil. I saw a photo of a legend, his first day from school. Guy went to school with one pencil, came back with 15. <laughs> you know these bundles of joy. When you are 15, you ran out of the house. When you are 20, Tefiakulanda Pachintuingi. No, no. Do you know what's going to happen for us who are saved? Can I tell you what I believe? Boom, we're about to show the clip. Then the law came and sin revived. We just started seeing Jesus on the cross. Because he became our substitute. And then the punishment was already given. And you just see there's no signal. Before you know it, the day of salvation. If any man be in Christ, is the new creation. What about if someone made a mistake? That's why they have to repent. And the Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful. It's not even your faithfulness. It says he is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Someone may ask, Apostle, are you, you understand when I explain grace because some people use it wrongly. Are you, are you, is it that good? You know what the word gospel means? It means almost too good to be true. It's good news. And even when a person is saved and they've made a mistake, do you know that they still, how can I put it? They are not condemned. Let me show you. Um, is that First John 3 verse 1? Is it the one? Can I see First John 3 1? Let me check 2 1. Give me two one. How many of you are enjoying this? No, give me verse one. Verse one. Look at this. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. We've got someone who talks for us with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Do you know that understanding these things, if you understand it well, you will not sin. Can I tell you what can I tell you what, what I mean? Imagine you are told that you are going to have to walk on this high pole. There's this long pole that you're going to walk on. Risky. But imagine if underneath they put a safety net and a ladder just in case you fall. Wouldn't you be more encouraged to walk on it? And when you're walking on it, you're not trying to fall. But in the event that you are to slip up, there's still a ladder for you to get back up and walk on it. So, dear brethren, I don't know which letter has been read to you. Next week, I will be going into detail about the word of his grace. Because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And so we preach the word of reconciliation. As though we are appealing on behalf of God to man, saying, be reconciled to God. 
So that's the area I'm going to be targeting next week. And you you see in depth just how deep the word of his grace is. And your life will never be the same again. Because remember, we are being raised not just, I, if there's anyone not saved, they'll get saved today. But we're also being raised to go spread this message everywhere. So if you're listening to me and I'm going to make an appeal for salvation, but I want you just to see this verse. Some of you who are listening to me right now may not be ideally, let's say, from a Pentecostal background, and you think the term born again is a Pentecostal term. It's not. Jesus is the one who coined it. So what do we call it? It's a what? It's a Jesus Coastal term. And I want you to hear this. Hebrews chapter 4. And verse, is it verse, give me verse 6. Because I, I believe that there are people who, there are people who like God. Give me verse 9. They are religious like Nicodemus because the born again message was preached to a religious person. And Zambia, everyone is a Christian. Um, just go to the band, ask for advice, you'll be shocked by how everyone is a Christian. Um, I, I just want you to see something. And I must mention that the only defense you have against God is your free will. Because if she's not really, we are released from the earth. Praise the Lord. And I, I want us just to see this. Um, verse 6. It says, Since therefore it remains that someone must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Now this is my appeal to somebody here. Uh -huh. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today. What's the best day for salvation? Today. What's the day God has appointed for your salvation? Any day God? Today. I feel like there are people who have never really crossed that line, you know? Like, it's one foot here, one foot there, one foot here, one foot there, one night here, one night there. They've never really made that decision. They like God, they like the idea of Him, they like the idea of Him as a Savior. But He's never really become their Lord. He's, he's, not, their, he's not their master. And you can tell who's your master by who you're obeying. But I've got good news for you. It says, today, after such a long time it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Some of you are waiting for a sign. The sign is here. The Bible says, how will they hear without a preacher? So the presence of a preacher is a sign that God is talking to you. That's it. That's the only sign you need. And so, I feel like there are people who've been battling in between. Like, do I? Do I not? There are people who've not, they identify as Christian. But if they are to search their hearts, they know there is a high chance their name is not written in the book of life. They have never really made that decision. They have never decided to just leave the old and come to the new. And a message like this has been preached not for your condemnation. It's been preached because there is another way. There is another letter. Some of you may even have been coming here for weeks, who knows, maybe months. But you know deep inside, okay, if I'm free, I've never made that decision. I don't think Jesus is my Lord. There is grace that comes. I'm going to give an opportunity. Do not harden your heart. Only you can harden it. I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're listening to me, 
you may be who's ever been in a situation where maybe like even just with school because eh? i know a number of us are in school some of us have been before you have to verify your details if you have to check the witness of your heart are you making heaven are you saved are you born again is jesus in you is he your master not just a gentleman you like but is he your master is he lord if not or perhaps you're not sure and there are many reasons you wouldn't be sure either you've never understood the gospel before today or maybe the life that you're living it you don't know yourself so if not or perhaps you're not sure i want to give you an opportunity i don't want you to do it from your seats because they said if you're ashamed of me before men i'll be ashamed of you before my father I don't want you to look at, I came with this one, I came with that one. You may even be brothers. The Bible says in that day, two people will be waking, one gone, the other one remains. <laughs> Are you saved? If this is something you want to make sure of, who knows, maybe some people here were brought up in the right path, but there's a period sin took advantage of you and you strayed away. God is the one who called you for this service. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands so I can lead you to Christ. I see that hand. I see that one. I see that one. I see that one. Keep raising them. For now, no clapping so that I see more hands raised. I see that one. I see it. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. I have to say this. Don't be ashamed. Jesus is not ashamed of you. I know for some it's a restoration, but don't be ashamed. Those who raise their hands, stand. 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 I still feel like there are a few more. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Still saying, Pastor, even me. I'm really not sure of my salvation status. Anybody else? Okay. You're free to join them as they're walking. I'm going to ask you guys to come to the front and just come to the altar. Michael, manage my stage. If anyone wants to join them, just come. Jesus is calling you. Do not harden your hearts. Come. You know the words they've been singing to you? The words are, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. I say it's forgiveness 
was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Imagine that. Is there anybody else who's saying, Pastor, please don't do it without me? Maybe a bit shy. Raise your hand from where you are. Is there anyone else? Okay. Praise God. Most of you I'm seeing for the first time. I want you to know that you've made the right decision. Okay? I want you to lift your hands. Now, I want you to say with confidence after me. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you came as a man. You died, you were buried, and you rose again. I give you my life and I receive forgiveness for my sins. Heal me with your spirit. I want your eyes closed. This is a very holy moment. We're going to pray for each of you. If there's any chain the devil has bound you in, you are, you are loosed today. He has no right over you. If there's any addiction, maybe you've been addicted to something. You're being loosed from it right now. Welcome to the kingdom. Let me have a few ministers help me to pray for them. At the church, pray for them. It's a holy moment. It's a holy moment. It's a holy moment. I need more ministers so they can get personal attention. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. You have chosen me. Love has called my name. Love has called my name. I've been born again. I've been born again into a family. Into a family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer. I'm no longer a slave. I am a 
someone has been prayed for, let them step up so that Discipleship team, hold on. Hold on. Discipleship team, come help so that you get the details immediately. Someone is prayed for. Some have been prayed for. Ministers, point them to those who have been prayed for. Who hasn't been prayed for here? Raise your hand. No, he's been prayed for. Who has not been prayed for? Have you been prayed for? Let's go. Come on. together called understanding salvation where we'll explain salvation in detail and so we want you to be responsive there are some of you who maybe you are saved but you've never done that course understanding salvation i would, I would advise you to register by the table we can do it for you as well especially if you've been struggling with your faith or struggling with how to explain it praise god Ladies and gentlemen, 